Jane, uh, we're just so, we feel really privileged to have you here. And Emma and I have been following your work for so many years and we're really excited to share your uh, wisdom and perspective with um, the community at The Reconnected. It just feels like work that needs to be more widely known. And I feel like there's that you can, I know for me, I've been a mother for like quite a few years. My kids are 20 and I feel like the mums of today are so much more savvy around some of the areas we're going to be talk, talk, uh, talking about today mm. than I was when I was younger. So it just feels really good to be here. Mm, wonderful. Yeah. And I just want to say how wonderful your work is that you're doing together. Like Thank you. reaching out to those who could otherwise feel well you know different or othered or troubled or alone etc so good on you both oh thank you I would really love to share how I came to know you Jane because it was actually quite spontaneous I was pregnant with my first child at 26 and I had never heard of a home birth before I'd never heard of anything alternative And I was in Katoomba Library where I was living at the time and your book 10 Moons was in the section of like the pregnancy part. And I read your book and I was so moved by so much of the content in there. And I was so blown away and I was like, what is this sorcery? Like, you know, (laughs) what do you mean this is how people connect to their children and have this experience? And so that actually led me to reach out to my home birth midwife and I had my first home birth with my son and your book was actually one of the only pregnancy books that I read in that time. Mm. And I've gone on to have five kids now and your book actually came back into my life when I was pregnant recently. Eleanor gave it to me again. She said, oh, you should um, have Mm. 10 minutes again. And I read it again and I was like, oh my goodness. This is what I remember so much that led me on my home birthing journey. And you have a section in there about Delphi, about um, in Greece. There's a section in there talking about Delphi. And I had thought that I wanted to have the name Delphine in my daughter's um, name. And when I read that, I was like, wow, this book has Mm. seriously led me on my journey of having Mm. five home births. Like, well, I had four, but I had twins. So five babies. Wow. Congratulations. Wow. (laughs) And did Delphine get in there? Yeah, she's Phaedra Ulla Delphine. Oh, when I saw Delphi in the book, I was like, I was like, it's a sign. You know, it was just one of those synchronistic moments where I was like, Mm. wow, this book came full circle for me. Mm. Oh, I'm so glad it's been helpful. Yeah. Thank you for that lovely story. Well, we'd love to hear your story, Jane, actually, Ooh. about how you came to be teaching and working with the women's mysteries and menarche and menstruation and pregnancy and birth and menopause and Ooh. all of those things. We'd love to well, hear. Thank you. So I'm 65, so it's a long story, but don't worry, I won't give you all the details. <laughs> but basically, I grew up in a typical patriarchal family, but I didn't know that at the time. I just knew that somehow I was less than because I was a girl and it was kind of a joke but not a joke so that was kind of my setting and I um, I had a blessed childhood my father worked for IBM at the time and we traveled and lived overseas in America two times which was you know extraordinary wow. actually yeah and um and then I, I basically went through the public school system and had a couple of jobs after high school and then did my nursing training and I did it at Mona Vale Hospital in Sydney which is um, on the beach so I lived on the northern beaches of Sydney and then I had a couple of jobs after that as a registered nurse in neonatal and pediatric intensive care Mm -hmm. and also in operating theatre as a we you know we used to call it theater sister then and in recovery so those kind of high adrenaline pretty scary actually places and then I um, did my midwifery training 
And I did my midwifery training because I wanted to have a baby and I wanted to learn all about it. And my goodness, I learned so many things to not remember. But <laughs> basically during my midwifery training, which was at Royal North Shore, which is a you know, university training hospital in the city, in Sydney, I had an awakening. And I didn't even know what an awakening was. But basically what happened to me was I saw all this stuff going on. And this is in 1983, 84. So a long time ago. And to be fair, it hasn't even, it, it's worse. But yeah. anyway, so what I saw was how the mothers and babies were being treated. It was like what I named institutionalized acts of violence mm -hmm. mass on being carried out routinely on mothers and babies masquerading as safety so i i thought oh well no worries they'll 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 figure out what's happened to them and they'll never come back and then they came back and i couldn't believe why why they would come back but then i learned all about the concept of a rite of passage and mm -hmm. so my education grew to help me understand why the women were coming back for the same treatment and we'll probably talk a bit about rites of passage in a minute, so I won't go into that right now. But basically, during my midwifery training, I went to my very first home birth conference in um, New South Wales. It was, I can't remember what number, maybe being the, the fifth or the eighth ever. And mm. there's one coming up now at the end of the year. I don't know what number it is, but lots. Mm. Um, and I met these families, these women who were prepared to what we now call birth outside the system, but basically how I met them and saw them was that they were people who were taking, prepared to take responsibility for their lives and their births and their families rather than, you know, follow the, mm -hmm. the, the conveyor belt. Yeah. So this awakening and then the meeting the home birth uh, tribe, so to speak, really helped me get myself out of the system as a midwife and so straight away after my training I went and did an apprenticeship with Maggie Lecky Thompson who was oh yeah Blue Mountains yeah. yeah yeah and so I followed her around and helped her for about a year and then I started my own home birth practice and then I had my first baby and that was the most massive teaching because I learned from that birth. So that was in 1985, where I had an in second stage cesarean, because I realized now that mm. I didn't surrender. Mm. But I didn't even know that I didn't surrender. And I didn't even know that I didn't know how to surrender or why. <laughs> so it was in my debriefing of that birth mm. in 1985, where like I realized, oh my God, birth is not a random event. It's the culmination of your life thus far. It's mm -hmm. the readout of your mindset, your beliefs, your attitudes and fears. And mm -hmm. so what I know now is even more about it as we move, thankfully, into trauma-informed maternity care, that mm -hmm. I basically had a childhood trauma triggered, so to speak. I don't like that word, but, you know, reactivated in labor which is a common thing that happens so I had therefore was able to see what I then later called the shamanic dimensions of pregnancy and birth and realized that everything is connected now it sounds crazy to say that now but you know this is this is nearly 40 years ago so it wasn't even a, a thing it would right? have been so radical back so then. radical yeah you know? I can imagine and so then I kept doing my home birth practice and I had another baby and in doing the inner work required to figure out this surrender piece that I didn't know what it was or how to do it which I could have realized had I known at the time that mm -hmm. birth was a really sexual experience and I could have been able to tell by my often um, difficulty in mm -hmm. orgasming because mm. that I learned later, the, the surrender you need to do to have an orgasm is the same surrender you need to do to have a baby. Mm. So that would have been a clue for me, but I didn't know that at the time. Yeah. Anyway, I then, um, I was also 
few years. Oh, so I had a vaginal birth after cesarean at home with my second baby. Hmm. And, um, and that's back in a time when once a cesarean, always a cesarean and uh, was my real standing in my conviction that I would take responsibility for the experience. I mean, I had backup and all of that kind of stuff. And, hmm. and back in the day, then we had supportive obstetricians. I know that there's many around now. And we had visiting rights to hospitals and we had insurance for births as well as antenatal and postnatal stuff. Mm. So, um, and then a few years later, I started learning about shamanic practices and the cycles and circles. And, and I started doing things like that and vision quest and sweat lodges. Mm. And uh, so it was because I didn't grow up with any sort of spiritual practice or connection or anything like that. So this was earth-based spirituality and it really made sense. Like, duh. Anyway, so I was fully loving that. And then I met Janine Pavati Baker and mm. I, um, I went over and actually met her in Texas at a midwives and mothers conference in 1990 and she had a pre-conference workshop called shamanic midwifery and I'm like oh my goodness you talk about a sign that was my sign like <laughs> I gotta be there I want to go and, and see what's going in there and I went into the room it was a big room in like a conference center kind of situation and all these women were sitting on the floor again something I hadn't seen in a big yeah. group and um, Janine was sitting in the middle with a basket and a rattle and she was singing a song. And anyway, we connected and <clears throat> she came out to Australia a few times and stayed at our place in Kangaroo Valley at the time then. And I helped her organise her workshops and, and then and I learned a lot from her. <clears throat> and basically what happened with her was that she, her, meeting her helped me put my two loves together. So shamanism and midwifery. Mm -hmm. And then everything made sense. Wow. And so then I started to, oh, then I had another baby and it, uh, a water birth at home. And it was truly the most cosmic experience of my life. I went into what the experience offers us as an altered state of consciousness mm -hmm. through trying to navigate the pain so I got the surrender piece well and truly by then so surrendering to the pain then took me into an altered state of consciousness prior mm -hmm. to that I was kind of like trying to get away from the pain which is what we're mm -hmm. all taught but then I I focused in on it and I catapulted into this altered state of consciousness where I felt zero pain until mm -hmm. he was born it was incredible oh. And so I realized, because I had no, I had no idea that was even possible. So this is mm. back in 1992. And um, I actually pulled him out of my, not pull him out, you know, like yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> pulled him up from the water by myself too. And I'd never seen anybody do that. You know, back in the day, then we were getting in the pool with the, with the family, the midwives yeah. and cozies, you know. Wow. So, <laughs> so I'm really grateful to my best friends Shay Caplice and Cheryl Sidery who were my midwives at the time that they they had the you know awareness to just yeah. back off so that I could do that which was wow. incredible wow and then yeah so then that just completely changed my own midwifery practice mm. such that I realized um, that if I had that experience because I wasn't planning for it I didn't even know it was a thing Mm. then it must be the blueprint for birth yeah wow. of course and so I taught I, I shared my story with my clients and then from then on everybody had their version of that you know like accessing an older state of consciousness through whatever terms you know mm. yeah. whatever way like um um toning or yeah. or like but but with the point being to go to the pain and yeah. that is a portal to an altered state of consciousness. Yeah. So then, you know, after that, I wrote 10 moons yeah. and um, started teaching, realizing the interconnectedness of everything. Yeah. And duh, the menstrual cycle. So, you know, like in midwifery training, we're not taught any, we were never taught anything about the menstrual. 
No. Yeah. So I, I learned all, all about the menstrual cycle and I started offering my workshops around the cycles and the menstrual cycle. And then I made my pregnancy um, workshop, which was actually a series of things that then turned into three days. It's now just one day. Hmm. And, um, and then in 2000, and I think it was maybe six, I spoke with Shay and Cheryl at one of the home birth conferences. It was actually the launch in Australia of Ricky Lake and Abby Epstein's yes, movie. That's right. Business of Being Business Born. Business of Being Born, yeah. Yeah. And uh, we all spoke, the three of us. I think we were talking, we had 60 years experience between us and we were sharing our stories. And I talked about Janine and shamanic midwifery and all of that kind of stuff. And a midwife came up to me afterwards and she herself was um, very interested in Janine Pavati Baker and she was very cutting edge then. She's now dead. She died in 2005. Mm. So mm. before yeah. this conference. And so um, this young midwife, Melody, came up to me afterwards and said, "You've had, she's dead now. You had the opportunity to learn from her. So it's your responsibility to teach, us to, teach it to us. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, but I'm not a teacher. I don't know how to do that. But I pulled myself together and realized it was a call to action. It was yeah. a moment yeah. in my life that yeah. I was that I would never have expected to happen. Mm. And you know, I just thought I'd end up being a country home birth midwife and blah and blah, raise my babies and, and stuff. But no, there was more in plan for me. <laughs> and so in 2008, with the help of Melinda Wyman, I pulled together a curriculum and then we started in 2009 with the virgin journey, as we called it. Mm -hmm. And then um, the School of Shamanic Midwifery. And it was running every year in my in the paddock in our backyard. And we were doing wilderness solo vision quests at properties. And it was all amazing. And then, then I got a, a letter from APRA. Oh, a couple of days before Christmas. Just for anyone we, who's listening, APRA is the Australian version of like the, um, they govern the medical system of birth, right? Yeah, and health professionals. They're, reg yeah, they're registering bodies. Yeah. yeah. So they sent me a letter a couple of days before Christmas, timing, <laughs> saying yeah. that I had to change the name of the school and if, and I had to do it before... I think it was the end of January mm. and I had to change my website. I had to remove any reference to shamanic midwifery from wow. the internet, or I would be fined 30,000 to $60,000 every time it appeared. Great. Yeah. Fortunately, my son can make websites. So he made me a new website and I changed the name to shamanic Womancraft. And just, you know, change the name and keep doing the same thing. And realizing that wow. something was working. If yeah. It got their attention. Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah. So then um, yeah. during all this time too, there's teacher training, apprenticeships and all of that. And so the school grew and grew and grew to now the School of Shamanic Womancraft is an international women's mystery school with online courses and face-to-face year-long programs and internationally and there's like 15 teachers that are graduates and there's apprentices and teachers of the workshops as well. And I also, once I went through menopause, mm. was able to pull together a menopause workshop, Autumn Woman Harvest Queen. And I tell you, menopause, my goodness. I thought, yeah, I thought there couldn't be anything more transformative than giving birth as a midwife, like, you know, duh, obvious, until I went through menopause. Yeah. Amazing. So you're helping um, me to really look forward to it, to be honest. Right. Everything that you teach about menopause makes me like busting almost. Oh, I know. It's so good. Like that's <laughs> countercultural as well. You know, yeah. like not the not the common story. So mm. that gets me to now where um I've also created with help, I get a lot of help, which you know is part of the whole process. Mm -hmm. a shamanic womancraft practitioner training which wow. is going to be a certified thing so basically oh. what I've done is created a modality shamanic yeah. womancraft which was my deathbed promise to Janine back in wow. 2005 I said I, I, I visited her in Utah where she was dying mm -hmm. and um, 
I, I promise to continue her work. So that's basically what I've done is continue Janine's work and obviously add in my own staff and other teachers as well. And wow. And here we are. I'm feeling love, a little bit teary about it. I know. And I love the story so much and how you came to having that cosmic part of birth because um it's the part that so many people don't get told about the possibility i had it with my most recent birth i free birthed and had surprise twins and oh my goodness one of yeah one of the parts of my labor was um i went into this extremely cosmic space and i was walking two children over a light spectrum but because I was in this cosmic space, I was just like, oh, like, you know, I didn't think anything of it. I was just like, oh, I'm just walking two kids over a light spectrum, like <laughs> whatever this is. Like I wasn't thinking about the rationale of it. And there I had twins, like, and I only knew at the time of pregnancy, like at the time of birth. And um, the, the, pot, the, the potential places mm. that you can go to is like so profound for people to learn and I actually have quite a few friends who have done your um, work your shamanic work in pregnancy and um, with cycles and I know that that work is actually penetrating a lot of fields and there's a lot rippling out from the work that you do and I'm so inspired because I think I feel like a pioneer in my own family of having to relearn ancient wisdom and I know my children are really young now but we're going to be moving into the transition of the menstrual cycle I have two girls and um, I'm so intrigued to hear about you know for people who are really new to this like can you share about the seasons of the menstrual cycle and a woman's life and what people would love to hear about that from you yeah for sure I think this information I'm about to share with you is the missing piece. Mm. It's the it's the it's the information that helps one pull oneself together and understand all the influences and where we belong on mm. earth. Yeah. So <laughs> and I've actually made my app all about this. So the spinning yeah. wheels app is all about it's how amazing. to understand the seasons of the earth your life and the menstrual cycle and it also adds in the lunar cycle as well so that we can understand all the cycles not all because there's some grander more cosmic cycles like you know saturn and venus and 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 that kind of thing but the cycles which is basically what the question is what are the seasons of the menstrual cycle in our life the answer to that is they're part of the cycle so this is the thing that in, a, in our patriarchal culture has been left out. You know, we live in a culture that wants 24-7 availability and everybody on and all about growth. Keep mm -hmm. growing, keep developing, keep producing, and whatever you do, don't rest. That's a waste of time, right? So we, we see the problem from that, like we're living the problem and the results of a culture that ignores cycles and so in explaining the seasons of the menstrual cycle in our lives let's remember firstly what the earth seasons are so this may not be exactly the same where you live because the closer you live to the equator or mm. the north pole or the south pole there's usually just two seasons like yeah. summer and winter at the poles and rainy season or not rainy season at the equator but in the temperate zones, like where we are, and um, most of North America and Europe and, and um, Australia and South America and um, some of Africa, like not like bottom line being, we look looking at a cycle from the archetypal perspective of the seasons. So spring, summer, autumn and winter. And these seasons on the earth are about the relationship between the earth and the sun. So the feminine and the masculine, which is kind of groovy. So basically, we are all as if the earth as well. Right? We're made of the same stuff as everything else is on earth. And we are affected by the sun and the moon and therefore, well, the moon and the sun and therefore the seasons. 
like everything else is. You know, mm. we can't not be affected affected by it. So it was just a full moon yesterday and people may ignore it, but they will still be affected by it. Yeah. So these seasons, we are all as if the earth. So we go through seasons in our life. We have a spring, a summer, an autumn and a winter. And we've named those and these names will be very familiar to everybody. Uh, well, maybe not everybody, but so I imagine most of the listeners may have heard either from stories or their own research, the, the maiden mother crone, which yeah. is the triple goddess. And that as a description of our life seasons comes from a very long, long, long time ago. Long time ago when we were pregnant by the time we were 14, um, grandmothers by the time we were 30 and dead by the time we were 45 or 50. And the average age for menopause is 50. So back in the day, if you reached menopause before you're dead, you must be very close to death. Mm. So unfortunately, that particular perspective has held on, but, you know, we're changing it because, Eleanor, you're looking forward to it. <laughs> Thanks so to now, you, Jane. <laughs> you know, we live longer than 45, 50, let's say 100 for easy maths. I think yeah. the average age is like 85 or something for women. But yeah. remembering that's an average means like, you know, the middle of everybody. And so there'll yeah. be many women who get older than that. And also just to realize that those um, uh, ages of death are going to be connected to a lot of um, older people who didn't have the knowledge, nor even the resources or even the food necessarily yeah. mm -hmm. to help them live well and long. So now basically we, the spring season of our lives is our maidenhood and that's from zero to 25. So at 25, everybody goes into the mother season of their lives, the summer, regardless of whether they have babies yep. ever, because when we're in the summer season of our lives, we are the creatrix and we conceive, gestate, birth and need to look after all manner of things besides babies. Mm -hmm. Like, so for you two, for example, this podcast it's and all your work. pretty big baby. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, and then um, in the mother season, we learn all about that, birthing and, 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 and our births are our teachers, like I said before. And then at menopause, whether it's surgical, chemical, premature or natural, average age 50, 51, we shift from the summer of our lives into the autumn of our lives. So menopause, whatever age, till 70 is the autumn season of our lives. So we've gone maiden, mother. Now this is the new one. I mean, it's not new, but it has never been named before. So yeah. my um, teacher, Cedar Barstow in America, taught me a name that they came up with when they all went through menopause which is the female derivative of the masculine name that's well known for this middle-aged man, which is Magus, which means magician. Mm -hmm. And so they called themselves Maga, M-A-G-A, as the female derivative of Magus. Magus. Mm -hmm. Now Maga means something else that's related to a political movement in America. So I don't know whether it's the right word to be using, um, and on my app, for example, I've just changed the spelling to another word that's the same word, same language, same meaning, and it's mage, M-A-G-E, so soft G as opposed to G. And basically that's postmenopause, which is autumn, which is the harvest season, mm. right? So the spring is about growth. Summer is about full bloom. Autumn is about harvest and letting go. Mm. And then at 70, we go into the winter season of our lives, which is the crone. Mm. And even just that name has negative effects on many people because it's like, you know, oh, crone. Mm. But crone means crown, yeah. which is a clue. Anything to do with women or the feminine that's put down or made a joke of or invisibilized or taboo or feared is a clue that it holds power you know yeah. think menstrual blood think mm -hmm. birth think menopause think death you know like so there we go there's the seasons of our lives and they are they within that are our rites of passage so 
birth is the beginning. Well, actually, conception is the beginning. So if if people can find out about the story of their conception, it it gives a yes. lot of information. It's and, incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And if it's not all the details, the most crucial details, meaning the ones that are going to affect us the most, is whether you were planned and wanted. Yeah. 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 And then the story of whatever mother goes through during the pregnancy, because everything the mother experiences, the baby experiences, and then the birth. So that whole period of time we call birth and that whatever happens at the beginning of anything affects everything that unfolds and how. So our births stay with us forever. That's why it's so important to get birth right And it doesn't mean that everybody has an orgasmic water birth. It means that everybody is treated with kindness and respect and gently mothers and babies, whatever happens, because Mm -hmm. however we, you know, however we give birth is not like a failure or, or, or a success. It's not a good birth or a bad birth. It's the birth, the birth we need to have to teach us what we Mm -hmm. need to learn to take us to the next place on our journey to wholeness. Mm -hmm. So then at, so starting at spring with zero at birth and then menarche, our first period is the next rite of passage that we have. So average age 13, but whatever. And then that's our initiation into womanhood. And then we go from 13 or whatever to 25. That's our sort of grown up maiden. But the, the, one of the biggest things that stands out in this teaching is that childhood mm. is very a very, very small time in our lives. Yeah. So it's something to not rush through, not hasten or hurry. It's precious growth time, mm. you know, sprouting and seedlings. Mm-hmm. And then we bud at Menarch and then we blossom at 25. And then we're full bloom at mother. And then we start to lose the petals post-menopause and letting go. And then by, oh, sorry, the, the rites of passage of childbirth. Let me just go back to that. During the summer of our lives, one rite of passage leads to the next because she who was initiated into womanhood at the altar of Menarch is the woman that shows up to the birth altar to give birth completely enculturated through her experience of Menarch about how she's supposed to behave as a woman to be acceptable by the culture. Mm. So the thing is that how a rite of passage works is that whatever happens, whatever does happen or doesn't happen, mm. whoever's there, what they say or don't, all those things, the 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 energy in the room, everything, all adds up to teach the person going through a rite of passage. So this happens at Menarch, at each pregnancy, because every pregnancy results in a birth. Whatever ends a pregnancy is a birth, including a loss or an abortion. And all need to be kept in chronological order so we know what we've learned from each one. And so we remember what we learned from that one. So we take that teaching to the next one. So we don't have to have a repeat experience to learn the same thing again. No. So at, at so rites of passage teach us how our culture values the next role we're going into and therefore how to behave to be accepted. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, mostly we have menarch experiences that are just probably the same as the menarch experience that our mother had. Yeah, well, I was going to say I had a conversation with my friends recently and we're all of the similar age and we all had a similar experience and bless my mother, she didn't know any different, but it was like I started bleeding and the only words that were really said was like, okay, well, do you want to use a tampon or a pad? Like it was just like that was it. It was just My mum like said, do you know what you need to get then? And I said, <laughs> yes, even though I didn't. <laughs> and trying to figure it out (laughs) so so what I would recommend to all the listeners is that everybody recalls their experience of their first period Mm -hmm. and figure out what it taught them about how our culture values women so what did it teach you about being a woman Mm -hmm. and what pattern did that create that's been playing out the whole time Mm. and What's the new message you want to give your inner maiden? Because she never goes away. 
Like she's fully in the driver's seat most of the time and most of the time in her most wounded form. Yeah. So she needs a new message from the menarch, probably. But, you know, now there's mothers like you two who are thinking, I want better for my children than I had. And this goes for boys too, you know, like they don't have a period, but they have puberty mm-hmm. and they need to be welcomed to manhood by men, yeah. not women, by men and taught what they need to know. Because just like a newborn is hardwired to expect that its mother will look after it when it's born, so too is a girl or a boy at puberty and a girl at menarche hardwired to expect that her mother or mother equivalent aunties whoever is going to teach them about the menstrual cycle teach Mm. them what it is how to be with it the the spiritual opportunities the physical things to do etc etc but you know like you're both your stories that didn't happen Mm. so that's the woman who shows up to birth unless somebody's filled her in and you know that's happening more and more these days because there's so much information out there but not that long ago it wasn't you know so women often didn't even wake up to this patriarchal cultural impact and influence on us often until what's called in shamanism a shadow awakening which is yeah when something happens and like what the fuck just happened and why yeah, I'd love to share that I had the my um, first birth. I didn't really understand what had happened until I was reading the te- Daily Telegram and I birthed in 2002. So I think it was just bef- was before, uh, you know, there really wasn't information and there wasn't the internet and there wasn't a lot, a very big community around gentle birth. Although I was a bit lucky to have a few things, but I read a newspaper article I'd had an emergency cesarean and I read a newspaper article a few weeks later that had said something like the snowball of interventions and someone had done an article in the Telegraph and it just, it literally painted out every single thing that had happened to me word by word, you know, checking the, doing the fetal heart rate monitor, then there's breaking the waters, then there's and it was it felt like exactly that that a shadow awakening yet when i track back to where i am now just thinking about pain being the teacher you know it just put me on such a tenacious path of overcoming that and reclaiming something for myself um so even though it was you know painful and a bit tragic to realize i'd been swallowed up in something um, cultural that was oppressive um, of me and of, of other people it also was just such an incredible catalyst mm. for everything that I've claimed back also fantastic so, yeah. yeah so you know nowadays we would call that birth trauma yeah <laughs> yeah and you did your journey to find your way back from that mm. to to well in in my language to render it sacred which means to ask of it, how does this serve? What does this teach me about myself? How did this happen? Mm. So it's actually my second, when my second son was born, that I came across Jeannie's books and, you know, had an incredible doula and just started that that process for myself. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. What it's so amazing to reflect back to those times, Eleanor, like when there was no internet. Yeah. <laughs> It's hard to explain to people. I always say like, and like the phones were at home. So if you left your house, you would miss all communication until you got back to your house. Yeah. yeah. You know, and how do we ever find our way without Google Maps? I know. And like, <laughs> where are all the alternative families and where are all the like-minded mm. souls? And, mm. you know, how can I... Um, find out about this but we talk a lot at the reconnected about when we're in pain enough we change and Mm -hmm. I look back and I think I can really see that in my own journey of just these spaces of pain and even loneliness sometimes is what Mm. caused these connections and created Mm. these pathways yeah Yeah. awesome I wouldn't have said it at the time yeah (laughs) I can say it now yeah so shall I go into the seasons in the menstrual cycle love to yeah 
Okay, so we got the seasons for life, right? Maiden, mother, mage, Margaret. There's lots of names. Enchantress, queen, autumn woman. Mm. Um, boss witch, that's my favourite. I like it. And then crone, which is the 70 to death. Mm. So then the menstrual cycle has four seasons as well. So what is so outrageous is that so many women have no idea about their menstrual cycle. And I'm not saying this as a judgment on the individual, just our culture. Mm. That, again, it's been rejected and we are encouraged to reject it. Like that's, that's, that's the way of it. So um, when we reject our menstrual cycle, which is what our culture teaches us to do, we now then become an initiate to menstrual shame. And menstrual shame is actually like a worldwide thing. And you can't not have menstrual shame. It's part of the patriarchy. And to quote Sharon Maloney, who's done a PhD on menstrual shame, menstrual shame is one of the organizing, organizing principles of the patriarchy to maintain the oppression of women sad and true so there's been so much happening in the last decade or so of women reclaiming the menstrual cycle and it is a reclamation because when we're and it's not just the cycle because when we're encouraged to reject our menstrual cycle we reject it and we reject our menstrual cycle means we reject our body mm -hmm. we reject our body and like what are we right nothing we're a thinking head and the menstrual cycle is our compass. It's our, our map. It, it's the barometer of our well-being, as Alexandra Pope from the Red School says. So if we reject our menstrual cycle, we reject our bodies and we're lost to ourselves. And, you know, that's pretty much like what has happened and does keep happening. But when we reclaim it, which is what's happening now, there's so much to learn about it. And it's all really a remembering because it's it's not it, it's it the menstrual cycle reflects the same cycle as everything else does mm. so there is only one cycle and everything goes through it just at different speeds so the cycle goes birth growth full bloom harvest decay death rebirth growth full bloom harvest decay death blah mm. blah blah over and over and over and over and over never ending and that thing happens in that cycle happens in a day. It happens in a year. That's the seasons. It happens in a life. That's the life seasons. It happens metaphorically in the lunar cycle. So we've just had the full moon. So that's the full bloom part of the cycle. So from new moon to full moon is the waxing. And from full moon to dark moon to new moon is the waning. And so it's about the ascent and then the descent. And and surprise surprise it's the same as the menstrual cycle now you know it shouldn't be a surprise because if we knew what we do know now is back in the day before electricity before electricity dominated our lives which is not that long ago actually it's just the late 1800s the story goes that because when electricity came in there was there there was so much light pollution and our menstrual cycle is organized around lots of things. It's, it's so, it's such a um, intricate process with micro levels making lots of difference. Mm. And there's a switch in our pineal gland that registers the amount of light in the night sky. And that as it's building, is, is, is seen in the building of the estrogen to ovulation. And so back in the day, the story goes that everybody ovulated on the full moon and bled on the dark moon. Imagine what that would have been like. Now, red tent makes a lot of sense then because everybody's bleeding at the same time, but imagine everybody ovulating at the same time. It would have been so amazing, such a party. So I was gonna say such a party. <laughs> So 
Then we have the waning part of the cycle. So now if you can just, I'll just give a really basic menstrual cycle education. Mm -hmm. So there's two halves to the menstrual cycle. The first half goes like the moon from, um, well, the equivalent of the dark moon or the new moon is day one of bleeding. Mm -hmm. And then that goes, so the first half of the menstrual cycle is the follicular phase and it goes from day one to ovulation. And then the second half is the luteal phase, which goes from ovulation to bleeding. Now, and this is what the app, Spinning Wheels app, helps you learn all of this. There's so much information and resources in that. It's, it's incredible. Basically yeah. like having me in your pocket telling you what, what's going on and what to do. <laughs> That's <laughs> still a little annoying, bit. I've got it on my phone. It's great. No, it's oh, excellent. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Okay. So the first half of the menstrual cycle includes the bleeding phase up until ovulation so if you imagine just imagine in your mind a circle with a line down the middle and the first half going up to the top is the follicular phase and divide that in half and that gives you week one and week two so it may not be a seven day week it's just half whatever the length of the follicular phase is so if it's 16 days long, then each week has eight days in it. So, so it's not really a week, but you know, that's what we call it. And the follicular phase that is, is the part of the menstrual cycle that's not fixed, that can change. The length of the follicular phase can alter each cycle. So it's, it's when, when, your cycle, when your bleeding comes sooner or later than you think, it's the follicular side, the follicular phase that changes. And that can be affected by so many things, including starting working with a bunch of women and your cycles align or boarding school is the other classic one <laughs> or stress or travel. Hmm. And I'm talking in the healthy menstrual cycle, which sadly is not that common anymore. Hmm. And then the, so the first half, so that first week, the season of that includes bleeding up until about if about day seven, halfway, say, if it was a 14 day. So that the seasons there, there's two seasons. The second, it's like the second half of winter. So it's like winter when you're bleeding. And the point of doing these, putting the seasons to the cycles, which was something that um, I started doing decades and decades ago, which has now become very popular. And I'm so glad that because everybody knows what the seasons are. So then they can know what the inner seasons are mm -hmm. and what to do about it. So bleeding is winter. And that means you want to be hibernating, basically. Quiet, in the dark, not out in the sun, not wearing tight white clothes and going mountain climbing or horse riding like <laughs> the old tampon ads used to show. <laughs> and then when the bleeding finishes, it's like the season there is like the first half of the spring. And then the second week in the first half is like the second half of spring and the first half of summer. And then ovulation is the magical time, the most powerful. Well, bleeding is very powerful too, but in the opposite ways. Yes. So peak summer is, is the season of ovulation. And then the second half of the menstrual cycle is the luteal phase. And that's fixed. It's always the same length of time. Not everybody having the same length, but if yours is 16 days, it's always 16 days. If yours mm -hmm. is 12, it's always 12. Mm -hmm. Unless pathology, right? which, as I said, is happening more and more. And it's not women's faults. It's going to be the effect of oral contraceptive pill and other hormonal contraception. And, and the estrogen pollution in the environment mm. and our lifestyle yeah, and what we don't eat and all that kind of stuff. So the second half is fixed, the luteal phase. So let's just say it's 16 days again for easy maths. So week three is eight days and week four is eight days. Now week three is the inner season of the end of summer and the beginning of autumn. And week three of the menstrual cycle, it's the harvest time. It's the time when everything that's not working in your life shows up. And it's been pathologized and it's called the premenstrual syndrome. Mm. And 
it's it's demonized and it's rejected and we think we're being you know picky and bitchy and whatnot but actually it's the harvest so it's the readout it's the truth telling time it's the time when you get direct feedback from how you how well or not well you looked after yourself during the bleeding that shows up in the harvest. So just like the seasons, whatever you do at the beginning in the spring shows up in autumn. We reap what we sow. So PMS is very, very often, or week three difficulties, are very, very often associated with not looking after yourself, which means slowing down and resting during your bleeding time. So then the week four is like the second half of autumn and the beginning of winter. Some people say those in different orders and shorten it and just say like winter is bleeding, spring is coming up to ovulation, summer is ovulation and autumn is until bleeding, but whatever. The point is that we know what the seasons represent and we're living them within through our menstrual cycle. And as such, this gives us the most incredible personal power to do so much there is so much inner work and personal development available to each of us in the menstrual cycle that we could possibly want and we we can with our blood we let go of all that no longer serves so at week three in the menstrual cycle in the autumn when everything's giving you the shits write a list of all the things that are driving you nuts and mm. you can't blame other people though it's got to be about yourself which it always is right so make a list in the second half of your menstrual cycle about what you want to let go of with your blood, pour your blood back into the earth and say, I let go of, I'm going to make something up, always needing to have the last say. I could share my, I could share my last cycle stress with you, Jane. Um, I had spent uh, the whole month um, not having enough alone time. And then I, in the week before I bleeded, um, I bled my, I felt increasingly frustrated with people. And then the th like four days before I bled, we had six visitors. There was a festival, all my friends. It was like, it was like on steroids and the not blaming people was an incredible stretch. Let me tell you, <laughs> <laughs> but I did it. Well and I done. rested a lot during the bleed. You know, Jane, one of the most common struggles actually of our parents is showing up for their kids in these different cycles. So, you know, like it's impossible to be around their kids when they're bleeding, you know, because they want to be in that winter phase, in that slower phase. So how can parents navigate these changing cycles whilst also showing up for their kids? Because, you know, we don't have community and we don't get to go into the red tent as such. Yeah. Well, some way or other, we have to, Yeah, you know, mm -hmm. basically what has to happen is we need to give our body, ourselves, the message that we are paying attention to the bleeding phase of the cycle. So when um, our children were little, you know, same story, we're actually living in the country and there was nobody anywhere, no village, no support. So uh, the deal we had was that on day two, which was my heavier day of bleeding, mm. that my red tent was that after dinner, I would leave the table and I was gone. So mm. it was my night off, so to speak. So whatever I did, you know, like, so basically I would have gone and had some alone time and journaling, charting my cycle, whatever, and having a bath on my own. So, mm. and then an early night. So some way, some, uh, somehow, you yeah. need to do something and it could be it could be a meditation mm. it could be a walk it could be go down to the playground and when all the little people are occupied you sit there and you journal or whatever but something mm. yeah so for those for whom there's no possibility there is you can do something mm. even if it's journaling like something and then like yes, having those low expectation days as well sometimes totally you know, where it's, you don't hold yourself to the um, invisible standards that we project onto what we need to be doing. Like Absolutely. the health can be messy and the 
the kids don't necessarily need to be kept occupied by you all of the time and all of and those. And you can have like an easy dinner. Yeah. And you can prepare and make double dinners so that you've got it ahead of time. So, mm-hmm. you know, you can we can plan for these things. And I know it's hard, but, you know, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean it's impossible. But the mm-hmm. point is it's necessary. It's so necessary. Yeah. And it will, the more we can do it, the better the rest of the cycle will be, especially mm-hmm. week three. Mm-hmm. So if we do ignore our menstrual cycle and say, I'm too busy, I'm, you know, got to do this, that and the other, then we'll pay for it because she will do the cycle. We'll do whatever she has to do to get our attention so that we have to. Mm-hmm. And so how the other thing about this is how we, as mothers of little people, how we manage ourselves during the bleeding phase. First of all, remembering that there's, that's only a part of the menstrual cycle, right? It's the shortest part of the menstrual cycle, but it's the part you can see. How we manage ourselves, look after ourselves or not, is teaching our children about Mm -hmm. the menstrual cycle. So Mm -hmm. maybe that's a motivating factor for busy Mm mums because how you look after yourself or not is teaching your children Mm -hmm. about it. So one of the things I recommend is, well, let's face it, you probably don't get to go to the toilet on your own anyway, right? So you have to be doing some outrageous gymnastics to be hiding, like changing a tampon or a pad or a menstrual cup already, whatever. So do it in full view. What are you doing, mommy? Oh, Yeah, that is something that I've always done. And my boys are absolutely fine with it all. They're like, oh, mom's bleeding again. Oh, there's that. Like, it's so normal, which is such a healing thing for me because everything was so wrapped up. I remember I got um, in trouble once from my mom, bless her again. She wasn't aware of all this, but she said to me, hey, you've got to make sure you hide all your your pads because dad doesn't want to see that in the toilet like you know things like that so it's been so healing for me because my boys are just like yeah you know mum's bleeding it's like not a big deal whatever and I think that's so important because um you know they are going to be partners one day they're going to be around yeah exactly yeah and I would suggest and you probably already do this but to add in oh mummy's bleeding today oh that means we can have a slow day yes we can sit down on the couch we can watch a movie we can read books like whatever you know and that's teaching the boys obviously how to be partners that honor the bleeding phase and obviously the girls too they're they're just learning they're soaking up everything you're doing as the way to do it that's how it's called imprinting that's the way we learn we copy the people who um, the adults that we're with and we believe without doubt that what they do is the right way. Yeah. Yeah. So So, like, yeah. And it's such a counterculture thing to do, isn't it? To rest or to um, allow the cycle to be at the helm as opposed to productivity at the helm or Mm. um, go, go, go at all costs. Mm. And another way to do it as well is to, with your children, is to honor the other cycles and then you know it's just you're teaching them about the cycles so uh the seasons you need you that follow the sabbats the seasonal festivals mm-hmm. so people who have their children at steiner schools would be or waldorf schools as they're called in america and some parts of europe will already be doing this mm-hmm. and for others again the app will give you all the information about all the <laughs> seasonal sabbats and what to do and how they affect you and, you know, make nature tables of what yeah. the, what autumn looks like, what spring looks like, et cetera. And, you know, honour the, honor the solstices and the equinoxes. Like everybody's fully into honouring Halloween, for example. Yeah. <laughs> and that's one of it. That's and new, it. though. That's new. In yeah. Australia, that's new. But, yeah, no, I, True I think the coolest thing, Jane, is that this stuff and even I'm very young and, you know, the internet was around when I started to have kids, but it wasn't as kind of out there. There was no, mm-hmm. like, there was no free birth talk or like, you know, cool birth stories or anything, but parents right now can literally just download your app and have a connection to the teachings and the wisdom, you know, it's becoming mm. so available. And I just think that 
is just so awesome. And honestly, we could probably talk for hours. I- Honestly, I've got like so many little tangents that I want to go yeah. on. Like where, like I want birth patterns. I want, I want rebirthing <laughs> and the imprinting and the birthing and the menopause and the. We might have to um join the do another one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and if I if we sat here and did all of that hmm. and went through all of that, what you would find is that. It's not like a teaching, it's a remembering. It's a remembering, yeah. I really love that quote. What is it? Um, the future with an ancient heart. Yeah. Oh, Totally what the app and these teachings are is it's like, you know, we are in the future, but it's it's ancient. It's like ancient mm. teachings and it is a remembering. And yeah, I think we will actually have another conversation where we go into imprints because as you know, Eleanor and I are rebirthing breath workers. We see birth impact people and and it can really um you know put a lot of blocks and hindrance in their life and and Mm -hmm. and also there's the reality that they can reclaim it's not it it isn't an absolute you can reclaim your birth in some capacity and and rewire parts of yourself so yeah it's been so amazing to talk to you jane yeah an incredible day of truth talking and it's amazing how riveting you know a lot of that information um I feel lucky enough to have heard but it it's that the truth never gets old and so it's riveting like Mm. and it's been riveting to listen to you speak today Jane we're really grateful I wonder if you could tell people a little bit more about where to get the app from to Mm -hmm. end yeah okay sure thank you so there's a version for Apple iOS phones and yep. there's a version for Android phones on Google Play. So okay. basically to go to the app store for your phone and search spinning wheels and put my name in it because otherwise yeah, yeah. otherwise like gambling things come up. <laughs> right. Make responsible decisions. Yeah. yeah. Just yeah. get the Janie Hardwick Collins version. <laughs> and there's a, there's a free version. And that gives you the opportunity to use the spinning wheels, which is actually, I don't have uh, spinning wheels right here with me. The app is the result of the spinning wheels that I made way back, like decades ago, and my 13 Moons Menstrual Charting Handbook, and my new book called Blood Rites, The Spiritual Practice of Menstruation. That's all in the app. And the free version gives you the spinning wheels, and you can chart on the spinning wheels your cycle and all the resources and and the information and then for the paid membership which is a dollar a month or ten dollars for a year it gives you the opportunity to actually access a calendar where you properly track your cycle with all different opportunities for what you want to track and there's a journal part there but it also connects you to the lunar cycle and the earth seasons and obviously where if you're in the northern hemisphere it's opposite to the southern hemisphere and the phone figures all of that out very clever Mm -hmm. and also the lunar phase so you can choose to get notifications for the full moon and what to do about it the dark moon the new moon and then each of the sabbats so the free version is useful but the paid version is gives you the opportunity to be able to use it at at next level I find Mm. it so helpful for when, you know, you think you're going to remember all this information, Mm. but when I'm, you know, in the, at different points of my cycle and I think, oh, what was happening for me back then? Or what was happening for me when I was bleeding this cycle? I can't remember. Or why am I feeling like this? And just having the journal and the, you know, everything linking and what was happening astro with the moon and everything is so Mm. um, helpful. Awesome. I'm so glad. And right Uh, now it's in bulk in the Southern Hemisphere. So in the beginning of August. And so what the app teaches you and what I want to share, just regardless of the app, is that in the Southern Hemisphere, this is because it's the beginning of autumn in the Northern Hemisphere, but in the Southern Hemisphere, it's the beginning of spring. So it's like there's no beginning or end to a cycle, but if there was, it would be that spring is the beginning. And so whatever we are doing, thinking or feeling now in the portal of August the 2nd, which is the uh, traditional date and the celestial date, 
when it's actually happening in the sky, the halfway point between the solstice and the equinox is on the 8th. So we're in this portal now mm -hmm. and whatever we are doing becomes our actual New Year's intentions. So it's incredible thing to be able to do now. Make sure you write down what you're doing, thinking and feeling now, and then wow. come La Masse, which is where the Northern Hemisphere people are now. So that will be in the Southern Hemisphere. That will be our February 2nd. That's mm. when we see the fruits of what we're doing right now. Oh, that feels like a real key for Emory. I know, and it feels very exciting. I'm like, <laughs> and look what you're I was doing. Like, now we got to go. And <laughs> right, it's right the seed planting, right? This is the seed yeah. planting or yeah. intention setting or whatever. I mean, you have to look after the seed as it grows. You know, yes. you've got to be the great metaphoric gardeners because if you end up, if you plant all these intentions and you don't do anything about it, you're not, nothing's going to happen. Yeah. Mm. Got to be conscious creators. Well, thank you so much, Jane. It's really, I, I just want to give my thanks to you because you're pioneering so much for me as I, you know, I literally read your book, went on to have a home birth. Now I've mm. got a five-year-old daughter and a newborn, and I know that I will be following your wisdom with the menstrual cycle and also, you know, moving into my cronehood and my, you know, when I go through menopause and I'm so grateful that I have a guiding star in that area mm. because it's, you know, it's few and far between in, like, all in the world, you know, and we so need it. We mm. need these women who are willing to be pioneers in this area. We need the grandmothers and, you know, we, we really, it's, I'm so appreciative for it. Mm. So thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. I'm so grateful that everyone will get to know you and go onto the app and have this platform for their own children. Mm. Thank you, Emma. Thanks, Jane. Mm. All right. Thank, thank you so much. Thank you, Eleanor. Thanks, 